Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20. Racing near sideline 10. Turn of the 5. Touchdown Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. And here we are kicking off hour number two of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. My man Bobby Machado behind the wheels of steel, filling in for DeMond this afternoon, holding it down. And, of course, I'm here rocking with you for the next couple hours. Uh, we have Jordan Schultz from The Score coming up in a matter of minutes. Bobby is efforting him right now. But I did want to address what Nate and Henderson had to say. And first of all, Nate, hopefully you're safe out there uh, in Henderson. I know the weather was a little ugly earlier today. There was some snow reported. And uh, even my mom texted me and said, hey, you know, I got to see the snow. And I was like, man, I was already gone. I didn't <laughs> I didn't get to see the snow. I was already at the at the radio station when apparently it started to come down. But uh, be safe out there, man. I know the weather ain't, ain't fantastic. But uh, make sure you're taking care of you and yours. But I did want to address what Nate had to say about personality and how Jalen Hurts mentioned the Eagles and how they're a blue-collar team. And I think Jalen Hurts fits the Eagles mold to a T. I think he is so Philadelphia, he's perfect for that team. And you're right. Guys take on uh, their identity of their team. Guys take on identity of their coaches. And I think Philly is a great spot for Jalen Hurts. Just like I think Lamar Jackson is fantastic in Baltimore. He is so Baltimore. He is so kind of the – just that that image of, of that type team. So then you start thinking about the personality and the image of the Raiders and who that is and what that is. And remember all season long, how long it took in the middle of the season before we, any of us knew what the identity of this team was? Remember, none of us knew. How many times have we had Lincoln Kennedy on the show and we're like, you know, what's the identity of this team? He's like, Q, they don't have one yet. At some point, it was run the rock with Josh Jacobs, but early on, Nobody knew what the identity was. Was it pass first? Was it feed Devontae Adams, let him go ahead and cook, and then all of a sudden you, 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 know, you, you pound the rock with Josh Jacobs? Was it vice versa? Like, nobody knew. And so I think that that's very important that that has to be established. I think Nate brought up a great point. That has to be established. What do you want your identity to be? Right? It's one of those things that people asked me you know, years ago. Well, Q, what do, what, what do you want people to know you as? Who, who are you? And I had to identify who I was and then – continued to show who I was and what I was all about. At some point, you have to be able to identify what a Raider is, what a Raider looks like. And I know John Gruden at one time was trying to, in his, you know, his thoughts of what a Raider was supposed to look like and sound like and be like, that was what he was trying to bring in. Fast, strong, big, tall, you know, whatever the case was. Baltimore Ravens, you know the kind of players that they bring into their organization. Seattle Seahawks, you can, how many times have we said, oh, that looks like a Seattle Seahawks corner? Right? There's an identity. There's an identity there. We can all see it loud and clear. What's the identity of the Raiders? They have to establish that. So whatever Dave Ziegler and Champ Kelly have come up with in that front office, what they're cooking up, that's what we hope, at least I hope, we start to see moving forward. We start to see exactly what that identity is and what that personality is all about. Great call, Nate. We do appreciate you. We'll get back to some more of that, and we want to hear from you as well on the don'tbebroke.com text line at 69187. Keyword R&R, what stood out to you the most about the championship games we saw this weekend? What could the Raiders use moving forward? Again, 69187, keyword R&R. Joining us now on the phone lines from the score is Jordan Schultz. You can find him on Twitter at Schultz underscore report. And Jordan, Jordan, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. You had a piece out where it was talking about Tom Brady in five different locations that he could end up, including Fox. Now, I don't know if he's going to go to Fox. He's got a big, fat contract waiting there. But let's go ahead and start off with, with the broadcast booth. Then we'll get into the teams. 
Do you think there's a chance that Tom Brady could end up retiring? You know, I don't, I don't know, Q, if there's, a, if there's a harder guy to get a read on. I talked to someone close to him, albeit not him, uh, and I was told that he wanted to take a month or two to really evaluate all his options, take the emotion out of it. And, um, you know, it's also worth considering that he has three kids, two in Miami, one in New York. I know family is really important. And um, I guess I would be surprised, based on what I was told, if he did retire. Um, I, but I'd be surprised, and I'd also be surprised if he went back to Tampa, um, which is why one of the reasons, one of the teams I mentioned was the silver and black. <laughs> right. No, and there's a lot of ties, and of course that, that immediately you know started coming up as soon as uh, Josh McDaniels was the head coach, uh, given the head coach job of the Raiders, that you know maybe Tom Brady, maybe Jimmy G, that's a destination at some point. So let's go right to the Raiders. Uh, what are your thoughts with uh, Tom Brady and the Raiders? They have weapons, wide receiver one. They have running back one. I believe they're bringing Josh Jacobs back. Darren Waller's in place right now. Hunter Renfro's in place, but... The offensive line of suspect, defense is bad. So, I mean, is how, how, how nice of a, or attractive of a destination are the Raiders, like, realistically for Tom Brady? Well, it's an opportunity to go back to the West Coast, um, play with a, with the head coach, Josh McDaniels, who he's familiar with, has a good relationship with. Obviously, they were together for basically two decades um, in New England. But you mentioned the offensive line. That's the key. Uh, there's just no, At this point in his career, too, Q, there's really no reason for him to put himself – uh, in harm's way from an offensive line standpoint. And that's been a bugaboo for the Raiders for quite some time. Uh, they have plenty of cap. I think $34 million, I'm, I'm, I just pulled it up, $34 million in cap space projected. Obviously, that number goes up significantly uh, if, they, if they trade or cut Derek Carr, which we expect to happen as well. So uh, plenty, of, plenty of money. And that's, that's, to me, the key. Not only Tom Brady, but how do you address the offensive line? So it's, it's an attractive destination, but then you have a – uh, a division that's that's really tough, and mm-hmm. you know, if, if I'm Tom Brady, if I'm looking at realistic options, um, and and where am I best positioned to win? The Raiders are probably somewhere in the middle, and, and so it's possible. I don't think it's probable. Right. No, that makes a lot of sense. Again, Jordan Schultz is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Necessary Roughness. Well, you mentioned Win, and it made me immediately think he just signed an endorsement deal with Win Las Vegas, and that's been, that's been uh, in the works since September, so I don't know how much that's a coincidence, how much that may play a factor, but what are your thoughts when you hear about that? Well, that's, I mean, that's kind of the beauty of being in Vegas where you're at the epicenter of a lot of these deals, and um, yeah, I, I thought about that too, and then I realized, like you said, it's, it's, that, that deal's been going back for, for a while now, so I wouldn't read a lot into it, but um, I tell you what, it's, it's, we're going to be talking about this for better or worse, Q, for the next couple of months until he does make a decision. And uh, there's, no, there's, no reason, there's no reason to think, hey, the Raiders make, don't make, or make, make plenty of sense. And you know, I, I've gone through some of the teams that originally Miami, I put them out now given he has a great relationship with Bruce Beal, who's no longer in line to buy the team from Stephen Ross. Um, I've talked about the Jets. You mentioned Fox, mm-hmm. uh, 49ers. So there, there, there's all, but there's only a handful of teams that it makes sense and who could who could legitimately do it. And, and I will say the Raiders are one of them. You know, I wanted to ask you: Does the Super Bowl being in Las Vegas in 2024 would that play a little bit of a factor? Because what a storyline that would be. Yeah, I, I, it's one of those things where you, it's like a cherry on top. Right. I don't know if it's a factor, <laughs> but you think, uh, oh, hey, that's that's nice because it's, it's it's so rare. Almost impossible for a team to play their Super Bowl uh, where where the whole city is. So I would say it's it's a cherry on top, but I wouldn't 
it's kind of like the the deal with the with with, with win. It's it's like a right. oh that's nice, but I don't I don't think it's a deciding factor, my friend. No, no, I, I think it's just a lot of different fruits hanging from this tree here that really? is called Tom Brady and the offseason. Again, Jordan Schultz is our guest here on Red Nation Radio nine twenty. So one of the teams you identified in your piece was the Panthers, and they just hired Frank Reich. And I honestly think Derek Carr and Frank Reich would probably be a really good uh, you know combination. I think that uh, Frank had interest in him when he was the Colts head coach. But uh, how how does the Panthers kind of fit into this equation how do they look attractive for Brady yeah I thought Brady to the Panthers was a pipe dream but that if they could somehow get Sean Payton that it, it would make sense um I, I think Frank Reich was a was a good hire uh although I would have I thought Steve Wilkes deserved the job but Agreed. if you're going to go away from Wilkes um certainly thought that he he was a good hire a, a safe hire uh with, with that in mind um he he likes Derek Carr and there's no I, I there's really no doubt that he's either going to be cut or traded. And right. you start to think about, realistically, who, who makes sense. The Panthers are starting to build a roster that's competitive. And they, they have a, a really good young defense. What they don't have, what they haven't had, is a quarterback. And so Derek Carr in his early 30s, certainly makes a lot of sense, and I know that, that Frank Wright would, would welcome that. Jordan, I don't know if you saw over the weekend, but Rex Ryan throwing out the idea that Brady could go to the Commanders. To me, I almost spit out my drink when I was, uh, when I was drinking watching that, but uh, is there any a realistic like, opportunity for that to happen? Him and Sean Payton both end up in Washington? I didn't, I didn't even see that, and, and my, my knee-jerk reaction is no. Um, no, I don't see that at all. No. No, I, I don't either. And like I said, it just blew my mind. But then I realized it was Rex Ryan who said it. So I had to take that with a grain of salt because, you know, he's going to try to push the needle at times. Again, Jordan Schultz is our guest here on Red Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. I also wanted to ask you about a piece that you had put out uh, about awards and, and guys that basically got snubbed. And Max Crosby, he did a hell of a job here in 2022. Twelve and a half sacks, had 22 pressures, uh, you know, multiple tackles for loss. I mean, he was just he was fantastic. But the team only won six games. Games, so wasn't in the running for defensive player of the year, but you made a case that he probably should have been in the running. I mean, how good is Max Crosby? Right. I, right. I know it was a disappointing season for the Raiders, but I can't think of a of a better ambassador for the team and for for the organization than Max Crosby. You know, fourth round pick who has ever, since he's come into the league, he's he's been one of the best players in football, and he. Listen, if they were a playoff team, he would be in that conversation because he belongs. And mm-hmm. there's only a select few a guy, few guys who really do belong in that conversation. I thought Hassan Reddick, too, second in the league in sacks, first in hurries, uh, belonged in the defensive player of the year conversation as well. But for Crosby not to be essentially on the ballot was, was disappointing. I mean, he is, he is consistent. He's dominant. Uh, he does it the right way. So, yeah, I was – I mean, there's only – I was frustrated. I mean, what can right. I say? I thought he belonged. No, I did too. I, I did too. And, and even when it comes to the AP, you know, the first and second team all pro, I thought he should have been on that. But I realized there's only a certain amount of spots you can have. And I realized that wins do matter. And the Raiders ultimately only had six. But, uh, Jordan, you know how athletes think, especially guys that, are, that play at high levels like a Max Crosby. How much do you think that this will fuel him even going into uh, next season? Like, oh, you want to snub me? I'll show you. A, a lot. And I've gotten to know Max a little bit over the last couple of years. I mean, he is, he will find anything, anything possible as a chip and use it. So, yeah, he will definitely be on that conversation next year. But he got, I mean, listen, it's, it's not rare, but it's, how would I say this? It's pretty cool when you're a young player, you get your big payday, and you have arguably your best season yet. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's awesome because you, when, when, when guys get money for the first time, you always wonder, are they going to have that same chip? Are they going to be 
you know, similarly motivated? And the answer was a definitive yes for Crosby. So yep. This, yep. this season was arguably uh, his most important uh, at 25 years old. So I was really excited about that. No, I was too. And you're, you're spot on when you say that. A lot of guys get paid, they get fat and happy is what we call it, right? Fat and happy. And he did not do that. He went out there and balled out. And I expect him to even come back stronger in 2023. Well, Jordan, fantastic stuff. What do you got coming out on the score that uh, we should be on the lookout for? Well, I tell you what, I'll be at Senior Bowl for a couple of days this week. No Pro Bowl for me, so I won't be in <laughs> Vegas. Sorry. Okay. Uh, no Vegas, but uh, yeah, Senior Bowl and then Super Bowl. Uh, so, but hey, I, I tell you what, you know, the NFL offseason, Q, as you know, it's uh, it's arguably more entertaining, equally entertaining as the actual season. So that's what I'm, uh, that's what I'm really excited about. Start to get into free agency, to draft. I mean, that that to me is is really fun. No doubt. And you drop a lot of great nuggets on your Twitter account at Schultz underscore Report. A lot of uh, breaking news, so we definitely pay attention to that. And you mentioned the Super Bowl. You'll be out in Arizona for Radio Row that week. I will. You be there? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're locked and loaded. We're already packing up the car, getting ready to roll, and uh, we're on the first thing smoking. Head to Arizona sooner rather than later. Let's 100% get up, and uh, I'd love to see you in person. Absolutely. Well, we'll make that happen. And like I said, man, thanks so much for giving us some time this afternoon. You be safe, and we'll see you soon in Arizona. Thanks, Q. See you, buddy. There he goes, Jordan Schultz from The Score, at Schultz underscore report on Twitter with us here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. The question that I threw out there to you, what stood out to you the most about the championship games that the Raiders could use moving forward? That's what I want to hear from. 69187, keyword R&R. Also, you can also call us at 702-365-9200. Raider Nation listener line coming up at 3.30. Mark McMillan, former NFL defensive back, played for the Chiefs and the Eagles. We'll talk to him at 3.30. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. You're listening to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Coming up at 3.30, Mark McMillan, former NFL defensive back, will pick his brain, all things NFL. That's coming up at 3.30. Here on Unnecessary Roughness, going to the don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword R&R. The question I threw out there, but you're not limited to this, is what stood out to you the most about the championship games you think the Raiders could use moving forward? Hit us up, 69187, keyword R&R. Got a bunch of different responses I wanted to get to. Uh, This one's from El Paso. Raider, yo Q. Now fans are blaming the new regime for Gruden's draft failures. Pathetic. I feel it's more of the fact that car fans are angry that we finally have a front office that had what it took to move on from D.C. Excited for the future, not their fault. Grew missed on five first-rounders, with J.J. being the exception. And that was all And that was all Mayock, uh, EP Raider, El Paso Raider on the Dolbybroke.com text line. Thank you for that. And, yeah, b- people have said that, and I'm not being specific about, you know, the, first, the five first-rounders, but we've had plenty of people call in the show and say, well, I don't trust that the – front office is going to get it right in the draft because, it, well, it never has. And if they draft a guy, they can't develop him. And I keep saying as much as we as fans, and I say we as fans because I am a fan, I, we, we as fans can't hold the previous failures against this new staff. All we can do as fans is sit back and watch and see what happens. And then when the draft shakes out, say, okay, this looks good, this looks good, this looks good. And then once it's proven that it's good on the on the field, then cool. If not – and it's a bunch of misses, then you could say, yeah, a, a bunch more misses. Don't know what's going on with the front office, but that is the biggest key to this whole thing. You could try to patchwork a roster all you want. You can make trades. You can overpay in free agency. You could do this, that, and the other. But, man, if you don't hit consistently on your draft picks, and I mean consistently, you know, you're getting three starters out of the draft for sure, right? And then you're getting other guys that you're comfortable throwing out there on the field. If you're not consistently hitting on your draft, then what are you doing? That's where they've got to get back to. And they had all the ammunition when they decided, and this is the old staff, when they decided that they were going to flip Khalil Mack for picks and they were going to flip Amari Cooper for picks and they were going to flip this guy, that guy, 
that's fine if you hit and you're able to turn the roster over and have a lot of guys on rookie deals that are players, playmakers, guys that you don't have to pay huge salaries to. That's fine if you're going to do that, but you've got to hit. And unfortunately for the Raiders, they didn't hit. And so now this staff, Dave Ziegler and company, they don't have the, the, the great uh, you know, ability to draft multiple guys in the first round. right? They don't, they don't have that option. They have one pick, and it's pick number seven, and they've got to get it right. If they're going to stay there, even if they're going to move up, it would cost so much to move up. I've talked about it before, but it would cost so much to move up. I saw a trade proposal earlier today, and I've been reading just a lot of these different you know, articles and websites and stuff like that, just about uh, you know, the things that are going on in the offseason and how, how teams can make moves. And I was on The Athletic, and I really do respect what The Athletic puts out. They have a lot of great uh, writers. This article in particular had the Raiders moving up to number three. So they're trading with Arizona, and they end up going up against C.J. Stroud. None of that matters. But I just wanted to throw it out there, what this article has. Not saying this is the Bible, but what this article says it would take to move up from seven to three. You'd obviously have to give up the number seven overall pick. You're also giving up the number 38 overall pick. You're also giving up the number 142 overall pick and the number 145. Now, I know that that's overpaying, but to move up four spots, that's what you have to do is overpay. It's not going to be... You know, an apple for an apple. They're not going to do that. They're not going to say, you know what? Go ahead and take this number three overall apple and give me the number seven overall apple and we'll call it even. Or give me one more pick. They're not going to do that. There's a reason why teams want to trade down so they can get a bunch of capital. That's a lot of return. Number seven, number 38, number 142, and number 45 for number three. That's it. And on top of that, you better get it right. If you gave all that up to get one crack at it and get the right guy, you better get the right guy. So that's where the, it, it, it comes into play. I feel like this team has so many holes, it wouldn't be worth giving up all that, especially if you're not 100% sold and maybe even more than 100%. I used to work with a guy named Paul Catalina that said, Q, nothing's, you can never do anything more than 100%. I get that. I get that. But you really better be sure if you're going to give all that up that you've got the right guy, that you're sure as you know what, that that's going to be the right dude for what you're trying to do. So... Yeah, I don't, I don't hold any of the past failures from other staffs against this staff because it's not on them. You, you, I mean, that's just that's, – that's not – fair is not the right word because nothing's fair. But, I mean, it's just – it's incorrect. They had nothing to do with it. So I'm with you. Thank you so much for that. I do appreciate you. Got a great text, and then we'll take a break from Just Win Wendy, 69187, keyword R&R. Hey, Q, just another Manic Monday by the Bengals for the poor Bengals. <laughs> I have a question. I can Google it, but I'd love to hear answers. What is the difference between the Senior Bowl and the Shriners Bowl? How do the players get selected? That's from Jess Wynn, Wendy, a big friend of the show. Definitely appreciate you, Wendy. And, yeah, there are two different bowl games. The Senior Bowl is the real big, massive bowl game that is just a lot of, of, of well, it was supposed to be seniors, but then it, it ended up changing. As long as you fulfilled your co- collegiate responsibilities and you've graduated, there could be under, underclassmen that are actually there. In, in Mobile, Alabama. But originally it started out as just what it's called, the Senior Bowl. And it gave seniors an opportunity to showcase who they are with scouts, with GMs, with NFL coaches. And they changed it up a little bit this year where it's not coaching staff. It's not, you know, the Raiders staff and, say, the Niners staff. It is, like, Patrick Graham is there, and he has other assistant coaches on his staff. And then there's other coaches on the other side. And they switched it up a little bit. It's a little different this year. We had Jim Nagy on talking about it. And – the, the, the invites are by invitation only. I mean, that's how they select these guys is by invite. 
And, and that shows how much they've been studying the landscape of college football because they, they come by invite. The Shriners Bowl, now that's the longest bowl game running, 98 years. This is the 98th edition of the Shriners Bowl. It also supports Shriners Children Hospital, hospital uh, which I think is really cool. So they're doing that as well. And it's not as many players that are out there. It is a couple – different team staff. This year it's the Patriots and the, the Falcons. Their coaching staffs are actually manning the sidelines, and they're, they're the ones working them out. And I'd say that the players aren't as high profile as they would be at the Senior Bowl. At the Senior Bowl, there is every team is represented, GMs, coaches, everyone. It's almost like the combine, but a more of a physical combine than just the underwear Olympics. But it's, a, again, another place where teams gather and they start negotiating business. I say that in air quotes, even though it's illegal. It's called tampering, but they do it just like they do it at the Combine. So the Shriners Bowl is not as pro, uh, you know, uh, like a, a prolific and the high-profile players that are there. But then again, you get some really good players that have played there, you know, like a Darren Waller, like a Brock Purdy, like a Tom Brady. I mean, there's always guys. Tyquan Thornton last year always sticks out to me. He was a second-round pick of the Patriots. There's always players. It's just their names may not be as big and sexy going into the weekend. So it's just another bowl game showcase uh, that, that allows these players that are attempting to get their name called in April in the draft Kind of gets them out in front of the coaching staff a little bit early. 329 is the time. Thank you so much, Wendy, for that text. Coming up next, Mark McMillan, former NFL defensive back. We'll talk all things NFL, Super Bowl 57, and what he's thinking. Chiefs, Eagles, we'll do it next. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Question we threw out there to you on the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword R&R. What stood out to you the most about the championship games we saw this weekend? What could the Raiders use moving forward as an example from those games? Again, hit us up, 69187, keyword R&R. Join us now on the phone lines, former NFL defensive back. He's got to be feeling good about himself today. Playing for the Chiefs and the Eagles, that's Mark McMillan. He's also next-level chef, so he's chef, Mark. But, Mark, how are you doing, man? I mean, the Eagles and the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. I know you mentioned it last week as a possibility. I didn't think the Kansas City Chiefs would make it there because of the injury to Mahomes. How are you feeling on this Monday? Man, I'm like a big kid in the, in, in the candy shop right now, man. I'm so happy. I got so many flavors, man. It's going <laughs> down, man. You, I, you can't write a better script uh, than this, Q, man. Uh, the process goes back uh, to, I think it was February, about the next level of chef, and I get picked on that. But that's where it all started. And we were talking about that last year. Like, what if the Eagles and the Chiefs end up playing in the Super Bowl, and it's on Fox, and the show airs after the Super Bowl. It was like, oh, that won't happen. But look what happened. <laughs> the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, and I'm appearing on Next Level Chef Season 2 right after the Super Bowl. You can't make that up, man. No, no, you really can't. You're the you're the lucky charm, man. You're the guy, right? You're the <laughs> you're the straw that, that stirs the drink. Talking to Mark McMillan here on Radio Nation Radio 920. So let's start with Kansas City, man. I mean, I doubted them. And I didn't doubt him like Cincinnati doubted them. And I didn't doubt him like the mayor of Cincinnati's talked all that trash to Patrick Mahomes. Like, I thought that was a real bad idea. When you heard that noise that was coming out of Cincinnati talking about Burrowhead Stadium and the mayor talking about Joe Burrow as Patrick Mahomes' daddy and to get a DNA test, I mean, look, you talk yeah. trash, we all talk trash. What did you think yeah. about that? Well, when you talk about somebody's daddy or somebody's mama, you know in the hood, Q, that's a no-no. Man. Exactly. You do that, man. Yep. That's that's fighting words right there, and uh, the Chiefs have been there before. Um, obviously, uh, you know they they showed their true professionalism. Um, they stayed quiet during the week. You know, they kept their head down. Uh, you know, stayed focused. Cincinnati started feeling themselves. You know, obviously this uh, success they had last year. Um, but you know, when you're at this stage, man, you can't be barking and chop, chopping. You know, chopping at the bear. And 
it's Patrick Mahomes. You know, right. it, it, he's one leg, and he's still better than half the quarterbacks in the NFL. So usually when a guy is talking cute, it's like Mike Tyson said, all funny games until somebody punch you in the mouth. Right, right. I, I used that exact quote last week, and, well, Cincinnati finally got punched in the mouth, and well, they, <laughs> when they were laying on their back on the canvas, they didn't know how to get up. So it's just <laughs> – it just happens, uh, and it, it man, it was yeah, it was not a great performance from Cincinnati. How surprised were you though that the Bengals' defense didn't try to force Patrick Mahomes to roll out left and really test that ankle more than they did? I, I was real surprised. Uh, you know, most of the time he was rolling out to his right, which is his power power throwing arm. Yep. And you know, the fourth quarter, you know, he rolls out and hits Kelsey in the end zone. You would think they would have somebody over there to stay and contain. Uh, to force him, you know, to his left. And obviously, bad defensive calls, uh, you know, down later in the stretch. And even in Kansas City, they were struggling to even, you know, move the ball up and down the field, a couple of three and outs. Uh, one series, they had the ball only 19 seconds, and they give it back to the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, but the defense, you know, for the last four or five weeks, man, the Chiefs defense has really been stepping up uh, big time. You know, the defensive line played really well. Uh, so, you know, just kudos to that whole organization, man. They just stayed tough, stayed with it. And, man, they're going back to the Super Bowl. Andy Reid going to back against his former team. Right. Can't make this. No, you can't. You can't. The storylines, they write themselves in this whole thing. I mean, it's just, it's really, there's so many different storylines. Again, Mark McMillan is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So when you have Patrick Mahomes, and we had someone text this in earlier, and you have Justin Herbert in your division, if you're the Raiders, how bad do you need to go out and get that, like I like to call it, a badass quarterback that feels like that they can run and compete with those two cats a couple times a year? You have to go out and get one, and you see it on display. You know these last couple of games. If you don't have that dude playing quarterback, man, it's it's going to be real tough. You know, the San Francisco found that out. Right. You know, Brock Purdy found out like, wow, this is the National Football League. You know, they were going after that young boy, and they were you know putting hits on him. Uh, you know, you look at Cincinnati. You thought they were going to have some some late hits, or maybe a couple other hits. The late hit that they that they had cost them the game. was the wrong you know, hit. Whatever <laughs> you see the back of a guy's number, let him go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to have that marquee quarterback uh, in this league, man, because teams are are so good on on the defensive side of the ball. If you don't have a guy that can pull the trigger, that can navigate through uh, through a game for sixty minutes, um, you know, for for the fans out there, man, you just don't know how stressful it is and how much mind work goes into you know playing the game for sixty minutes. Uh, all the things that go in from the sideline. You look at Patrick Mahomes, he fumbles the ball. You know, it's just uncharacteristic, but the defense picked him up and had to stop, and, and he got the ball last. Yeah, that was one of the biggest plays is that he fumbled that ball and Cincinnati didn't make him pay, right? I mean, they just, the, like you said, the defense really picked him up and, and, and held everything together. Uh, that was a heck of a game. It was very close. Obviously, Kansas City comes away with the victory. And so when you look, Mark, at the quarterbacks, the, and I say the big three because you look at Bryce Young, you look at C.J. Stroud and Will Levitz, the Raiders don't plan on p- picking in the, in the top ten anytime soon after this year, right? And no team really wants to pick in the top ten. But when you're there and there's young quarterbacks there that you might think are the franchise guys, it's almost like you have to pounce on that guy. Do you see a quarterback that separates themselves in those top three that you think could be a franchise guy moving forward that could compete with the likes of Patrick Mahomes and a Justin Herbert? You know, those, those, you, know you look at the guy from Ohio State Field, you look at uh, you know, Bryce you know, from Alabama, you know, he won the Heisman Trophy, uh, played at a high level, played against the top competition. Uh, Ohio State quarterback, you know, he's played at the uh, top of the uh, top of the line competition. When you have an opportunity to go get a quarterback that, that's going to make a difference, you got to go out and get them. Um, mm-hmm. We talked about this 
before the season even started. You know, the, we thought Russell Wilson was going to be the guy in Denver. A lot of stuff happened there. But the cream of the crop, the crop is still Patrick Mahomes. If you don't get a guy that can compete with Patrick Mahomes in the AFC, um, you're going to continue to see these guys in playoffs and championship games uh, for years to come. You know, because guys are going to want to play with Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, low-tier receiver that he's going to make, uh, you know, make adjustments, make those guys look good. So, if I'm the Raiders, man, you got to go out and get a veteran guy. You just can't just keep going with these uh, guys that's just just regular guys. You know, you had your franchise guy. Carr's no longer here. Um, you you got to make some trades and make some cuts and make some money. You have to get a quarterback, else you're just going to be just competing for you know second and third place. And the Chargers are you know they have their quarterback, so. I'm the Raiders, man. You better get on that phone and make some calls. Right. Well, looking at the other side of the matchup in the Super Bowl, of course you have the Eagles and Jalen Hurts, and I think that he is so Eagles. He is so Philadelphia, right? I mean, he fits the mold. You know. You know, you were in Philly. You know what the mold is. Very blue collar. I feel like Jalen Hurts is that guy. He's not elite like Patrick Mahomes is, but he's shown that he can get the job done. How concerned would you be that they really kind of – I don't want to say they walked into the Super Bowl because the injuries that happened to, to the San Francisco 49ers, but they weren't tested as much as I would have liked to have seen. Should that be a concern for the Eagles? Uh, not at all. You know, obviously, it's been the best team in football all season long. Um, you know, they have the number one deep pass defense in the National Football League. Uh, they led the league in sacks uh, from the front four. I think it's like 70-something sacks, which mm-hmm. is unheard of. Uh, you know, so, you know, I, don't, I wouldn't say they walked in. Uh, San Francisco came in hot. Yeah. You know, they came in. And, you know, they just they just ran into a buzzsaw. Uh, you know, they ran into a team that was doubted later when Jalen went down. Um, you know, people were saying, you know, the Cowboys and jumping on that bandwagon. And all Jalen has been doing, man, since his rookie year, since his freshman year at Alabama, right. is win. Um, you know, he's, he was – everybody said he was out it. Tua comes in. Who's the first person to grat- congratulate him? Jalen Hurts off the bench. He goes to Oklahoma, throws up career numbers again. Uh, then gets drafted with the Eagles. Eagle fans were just on him, saying he's not elite, he's not the guy. Uh, I stood on this firm, and I said, man, this guy's a winner. If you surround him with good players, mm-hmm. he can get it done. And, you know, he's showing that over the last uh, – this season, uh, he's become one of the best quarterbacks. I would say between him and Patrick Mahomes will probably be the MVP this year. You know, I really – I'm a big Jalen Hurts guy. I was a big Jalen Hurts guy when he was at Alabama. I definitely followed him while he was at Oklahoma. I was covering the Big 12, so I got to see him all the time. I just love the way, Mark, that he puts his head down. He goes to work. He's not braggadocious about it. He just goes about his business. That's why I think he's great in Philadelphia. From what you know of Jalen Hurts, man, what kind of makes this guy tick? Oh, man, I think the, I think the outside noise. Uh, I, I think the doubters makes him tick, you know, because he, he's cool, calm, under pressure. Usually his expression, man, if he throws an interception, it's like he threw a touchdown. He has the same expression. Uh, like you said, he's Philly built, man. He's Philly. I mean, they love him in Philly. Right. This dude would never have to another meal again in Philly for the, for the rest of his life. But uh, he just fits that blue-collar mode, man. He, you know, he rallies the guys. Guys rally behind him. Um, you know, obviously, you know, he's going to break the bank. He's going to get paid a lot of money. Uh, but he's made a lot of guys around him a lot better as well. And you see those guys, man, they, they go hard for Jalen when he's in the game. And it, it's good to see, man. It's, it's good refresh when I talk to Randall. He has a, uh, a good rapport with, with Jalen. And that's, that's, real, that's real cool, man, uh, for a young guy to still know that history of uh, Philadelphia, know their history of the quarterback position. And we're making history. We have two African-American quarterbacks yeah. in the Super Bowl. 
<laughs> right. No, you're right. And that's, I mean, that's unheard of. It, and you're starting to see all the players that are coming out of college starting to get that role in the, in the NFL and you're starting to see the tide change. And so I, I really do like to see, you know, see that. And, and again, really happy for Jalen Hurts and what he's been able to do. And I mean, now, you know, Randall Cunningham in Philly, you had Donovan uh, uh, McNabb in Philly. And now you got Jalen Hurts doing his thing in Philly. So uh, I think they're in some really good hands, but I wanted to ask you about the way that they got Jalen Hurts and the way that they put this team together. I want to give Howie Roseman a ton of credit. I felt like he, oh, yeah. you know, he made the right moves in the draft. He made right moves in the yeah. trade. Free agents. He brought key free agents in. Do you think that yeah. this is the first offseason for for Dave Ziegler that he's fully been in the in the chair there with the Raiders? Can they have an uh, aggressive offseason similar to what Howie Roseman has done for years actually now in Philly and really turn this thing around quick, fast, in a hurry? I mean, Sirianni's in the Super Bowl in his second year as a coach. Yeah, you, you have to. you got to look and see, like, okay, what is the model? What are the what are other GMs doing across the, uh, the league that's making these guys successful? Um, you know, you talked about the Cowboys when they're talking about adding another receiver, adding some more pieces. They didn't pull the trigger. Um, you know, and, and you see what happened. Uh, but the Eagles, man, Howie, they were trying to run him out of there last year. Right. You know, when he, when he, and then obviously he just he was aggressive this year because this was his last year anyway. And you know he was aggressive uh, going out and getting free agents, making trades, getting Brown. Uh, you know, uh, you know, getting getting some offensive tackles, cutting you know, cutting my guy, uh, sending him to to the Cardinals. Uh, you know, so he made some really aggressive uh, moves, and it's paid off. And you know, this is their, they're going back to the Super Bowl again, you know. So, uh, Jeffrey Lurie, you know, put a lot of resources into it. Uh, he threw all the chips in, you know. Obviously, you bring in the young head coach that they tried to run out of Philly. Right. They were trying to run, they yep. were trying to run coach out of Philly, you know, before this. And now everybody's like, man, he's the best thing since a cheesesteak with cheese whiz on top. <laughs> but, you know, I know. For, for both franchises, man, both franchises. Uh, you look at the history of those franchises, obviously the Hunt family, uh, you know, what they were able to do, make some key trades, uh, draft some young guys in the, in the first round on the defensive side of the ball to help them out. Uh, you get rid of, uh, you know, the Honey Badger who signs as a free agent with the, with the Saints. You bring in some nice young talent on the outside. Uh, you sign some key guys in, in, in key positions. Uh, you get the young running back out of Rutgers who no one really was talking about. Right. Uh, so, both organizations, man, they just hit home runs on their guys, and the Raiders just have to do that, man. First of all, you've got to start with signing Josh Jacobs. Why are you waiting? Just go in and lock it in. Let everybody know, yo, we're here to stay. We're trying to build on this and make it happen. You have the Pro Bowl here in Vegas. Yep. I will be shopping around, talking to these guys, you know, during practice. I would say, hey, Josh, who would you like to play with? Devontae, do your work. You know, if you can get these guys, we will sign these guys and make room for these guys so we can be competitive next year. Yeah, they should use that to their advantage, right? I mean, when they say that there is no, uh, you know, there, oh, there's no tampering going on, there's always tampering going on. So, you know, and players could do it. Players could do it and get away with it on top of that. They don't have to worry about any kind of penalties. So, yeah, they should definitely be using this to their advantage. Well, Mark, before we let you go, uh, I won't ask you about your Super Bowl prediction just yet. I know you'll be in Arizona. You'll be on Radio Row. We're excited about that. We'll be there next yeah. week as well. But uh, Next Level Chef, man, what do you got working on right now? What's cooking? <laughs> I should say cooking. What's cooking right now when it comes to Next Level Chef, uh, you know, as, as it gets closer and closer to the debut right after the Super Bowl? Oh, man, I'm just so excited, man. My phone has been blowing up, man. Obviously, people keep seeing the, uh, the, the commercial. Um, you know, I had to sign a PR lady, Joe Lynn, who's been handling a lot of my business. I've uh, been closing some brand deals already before it even started. Uh, so I'm excited about my partnerships with Grilla Grill and uh, Barbie BQ. 
Uh, you know, as far as my pet pellets, I have another sponsor which kicks in Wednesday that I really can't say right now. Nice. I have another partner that kicks in on Wednesday. So things are going great, man. I'm excited for this opportunity. I know everybody's excited to see the show. Um, you know, obviously being on Gordon Ramsay team is going to be amazing. Uh, it's going to be on national TV. I haven't been on national TV in a long time, man. So this <laughs> is this is my I'm like a rookie all over again, but uh, I'll be in a different uniform and I'll have a different head coach. <laughs> right, absolutely. Team Ramsey will be your uh, your coach, and that'll be your uniform. And before we let you go, Mark, I got a text on our don'tbebroke.com text line from Mailman Raider. He said, is Mark going to be at the Super Bowl with a Chiefs jersey, an Eagles jersey, or is he going to be <laughs> copping that half-and-half half jersey? What's he wearing? Well, I, I saw Mrs. Kelsey. I saw uh, the, the Kelsey brothers' bomb had a half-and-half half jersey. So some people have been tweeting out. They say, you need to get this jersey. So maybe if there's somebody out there listening, if you can make a half-chief, half Eagles jersey. I'll make sure I'll rock it, and then I'll make sure my mom rocks it as well, man. You know, my mom, she's excited. Obviously, you know, without her, man, a lot of this wouldn't be possible, so she's just so pumped up. She's like, she don't even say who you go act cheer for. She said, "I know you just you just blessed, baby. You just do what you got to do." <laughs> right, exactly right. Spoken like a true mom would do. So uh, we're excited about that. We're excited to see you on Radio Row when you're down in Arizona, and uh, we'll be yes, there sir. as well. So, Mark, thanks so much for your uh, your time, my man. I appreciate you, and we'll see you next week. All right, appreciate you too, my man. Keep up the awesome work. Absolutely, will do. Mark McMillan, former NFL defensive back, he's got it good. Who? What's that? What they say? Who's got it better than us? Nobody. He's, you know, former chief, former eagle. He could rock both jerseys. Also, next level chef is going to be debuting right after the Super Bowl. So, a uh, really good dude right there. Definitely appreciate a few minutes of his time this afternoon. Speaking of time, three fifty is the time. We'll take a quick break.